All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He's former NHL defenseman Mark Mathot, who will for now ever claim that he chose the Montreal Canadiens at the beginning of the playoffs to be in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't even remember what my predictions were that far back because I know I flip-flop a lot. I'm very fair weather, but we'll get into that today, Wally. Yeah, it, it was the Leafs. I'll just assume, I'll assure you of that. All right. Uh, this is episode 31 of the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Head in today to check out their Roush-inspired BFC custom vehicles, F-150s, Rangers, Mustangs, vehicles built the way you want. Stop in today, check them out. The BFC custom builds at 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven or go to barhaven.com slash BFC dash customs. All right. It is our Stanley Cup edition of the Wally Mathot Show, Meth. So uh, I'm pumped as we are for today's guest. It is a guy who's going to be calling his first Stanley Cup final after 30 years or 40 years of being in broadcasting. Uh, He'll be doing every call for Sportsnet. The legendary Chris Cuthbert is here in the chat, brought to you by Whitewater Brewing, uh, who recently launched the Whitewater Distillery, and they make an artisanal gin. It's called Paper Boat Gin. I had a bunch on the weekend. The bottle is getting less and less behind me. Uh, <laughs> find it at your local LCBO and uh, in the Ottawa and Ottawa Valley. Uh, and a slice of lime and some soda, and you're good to go. All right. We head back to Russia later in the show and bring on Igor Sokolov in from Russia with Sokolov, uh, presented by Faces Magazine. And, of course, Trivial Trivia, presented by Gong Show. All that and uh, 
some great prop bets in sports interaction segment later. All right, first for the headlines, as always, built by Bonisher Excavating Inc.com. They are a call away from all your aggregate needs. Bonisher Excavating, helping to build the Ottawa Valley. All right, here we go. Drop the puck. What to expect in game one of the Stanley Cup final tonight? Looking for an edge. Do the Habs have any edge against the Tampa Bay Lightning? What's the difference? Who will make a difference in the final? At what price? Now, this is funny. This is a Twitter poll yesterday that blew up. Uh, who's better, Carey Price or Henrik Lundqvist? And don't touch me. Pop Suzuki wouldn't let his kids touch the cup when they went to the Hall of Fame as kids. All right, Beth, let's go. Um, what do you expect to see here in game one? Uh, that's a tough call because I've been mulling this over my head now for the past few days, trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to see out of these two teams? Well, you've got two teams that haven't played each other. They're completely unfamiliar, yeah. at least over the past year, of course, stating the obvious. But for me, if you're Tampa, I think Montreal's really, you've, pre you've prepared for this series already by playing against the Islanders and by getting a feel for that sort of choke down defense throughout the neutral zone and D zone around net front, uh, of course, that the Islanders bring under Barry Trotz. So I think they're prepared for this, but I just, at this point, we've been making all these predictions over the past few rounds. And for me, it's pretty simple. I, I, I really do believe Montreal is a great opportunity here. And we'll get into that a little later, but as far as game one goes, uh, you know, home ice advantage is a big one, right? If you've got home ice, you can get your matchups. Obviously, there's some injury issues going on with both sides, one being COVID in Montreal. I don't know how big of a factor that is. We'll find out with Armia. And then, of course, a huge one in Tampa with, with Kucherov. We know that he's probably going to play. He played in Game 7 against the Islanders. But, I mean, at this point, that's your top scorer, the NHL's top scorer right now in the postseason. And if you're missing a weapon like that, it will definitely have some trickle-down effects with the lineup. So, for me, in that first game, they're going to feel each other out. They're going to probably, you're probably going to see a little bit of physical play, a lot of energy. Once that gets out of the system, I think the players are going to kind of sink into their, sink into themselves, their uh, experience wise and, and comfort level wise. And they're going to get a better idea of where they're at after that first period. Uh, you brought up Tampa at home. My goodness, they play a completely different game, it seems, when yes. they get to be in their own building. Uh, but part of, I'm curious about game one is, is it sloppier in game one because of the fact that these two teams, haven't played each other, so they're trying to figure out matchups and systems and, I guess, the style that each person plays. It's hard to say because, from my experiences playing in the postseason and getting on to those later rounds, you're so hyper-focused in the moment. You're as dialed in as you've ever been in your hockey career. Obviously, Tampa has experience in that domain, in that regard. They've been there. They know how to do it. And quite frankly, they've been there very recently, as we all know. So they've got an advantage there, I think, and that they can play any way you like. So for me, yeah, it might be a little sloppy at the beginning. There's going to be some uh, some nerves that'll be playing a, a little bit of a role. But like I said earlier, I think after that first 10 minutes, when things start to settle a little bit, you're going to see teams on both sides start to come into their own. And again, I can't stress this enough. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little later on. But that injury thing that I was talking about with Kucherov, that's a huge, huge factor for tonight in this series. And quite frankly, we won't know until we see him on the ice because as of right now, I have no idea where he's at physically. Only he knows that. They were playing a little bit of mind games. He had a bit of a – he had a funny quote the other day or yesterday when he was asked about it, and he was denying the fact that he was injured, although he only played 46 minutes – or excuse me, 46 seconds in that game. So it's interesting. You're seeing a bit of that showmanship and gamesmanship happening right now, and I think we're going to have to wait and see until the game begins. 
Is there a concern with Yoel Armia out of the Montreal lineup? Like, I, is this a bigger void than people in a regular season game would probably pay any attention to? Yeah, and I think you and I would both agree on this one, Wally, that it is a big factor because that fourth line has been tremendous for the Montreal Canadiens, right? So I think losing a guy like him, he's a big body, he's physical, he creates a lot of space out there, and he's, he's just quite frankly a role player. And with him and the way him and Perry and Stahl have been throughout the postseason, um, you know, typically you wouldn't be dwelling on a loss like that too much, although every, every part of your team is important, of course. But a fourth-line player, normally speaking, you wouldn't really worry too much. But right now, that's your secondary scoring, and they've been huge for this team. So that's a big loss, uh, I, I, it, it, potentially, if he's not playing. And I don't know what the protocol is. Wally, you might know more than I do if he's even Well, he's not on the play. plane. So he's, no. he's, it's confirmed he's not playing? As, he's, not on, he's not on the trip. Oh, he's not even on the trip. Well, then, yeah, it's a huge loss. So I was trying to dig up some stuff, and I couldn't find anything on him. But other than I know it's a huge loss for that team, and they're going to have to find a way to replace him. Uh, looking for an edge. <laughs> Do the Habs have any – I'm trying to, like, goaltending, forwards, defense, coaching. Yeah. I can't find any chink in these whole Tampa armor. So is there some secret that Montreal Canadiens have? Well, do they have an edge? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Do they have a chance? Yes, they have a chance. I mean, we had them written off against Toronto. I I thought that Toronto was a well-rounded hockey club, right? And so, you know, for me, it's simple. They go through some really good teams. We were writing them off every series for the most part. And I think now Mm -hmm. we're all starting to realize, okay, they're for real. We have to take them serious. And the the keys to Montreal is is very obvious. It's their goaltending and carry price. It's their top four on defense and, of course, secondary scoring up front. So if those if those big four guys are relatively healthy, and I'm talking Sherratt, Weber, uh, Petrie, and Edmondson, um, you know, if, they, if they're healthy, we obviously know there's probably some bumps and bruises. We know Weber has a sore hand. We know Petrie has a bad hand or wrist or whatever it is as well. So if they can continue their play, create a lot of space for Carey Price, they're going to give themselves a chance, quite frankly. And I think... Um, and, and they've demonstrated, this club has demonstrated that they can stay relatively disciplined. We saw the Islanders do that, and they made it to seven games with Tampa. I think that if you can do that against Tampa right now, you're going to give yourself an opportunity. Of course, Tampa's the favorite. We all know they're the favorite. But I'll, I'll be honest right now, I, I've been thinking back and forth, Wally, really hard. And you know I'm a flip-flopper when it comes to making picks. <laughs> I, you're like a dead fish out of well, water. I, I, uh, I like to be able to change my picks based off the, how the teams have been doing progressively over the playoffs, right? I don't want to stick to my guns. I had Tampa making it all the way. That was an easy one. But right now, I, I really do have a hard time picking a favorite, only because I just love the way Montreal's been playing. And 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 more, more importantly, I just have a hard time cheering against that team right now. So we'll get into that later when we get into the sports interaction stuff. But I think for right now... I think it's pretty even. I really do. And I, and I hate saying that. I don't want to be on the fence, but I love the way the makeups of both these teams are, and they both match up very well against each other. Okay, I'm going to point out something that nobody's brought up, so I know it's got to be top secret, and that is that Tampa's building has the Tesla coils in the corners that create the lightning when you come out. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I think that that's a secret that they <laughs> somehow mess with the visiting team who comes into the building. Well, If you and, haven't yeah. seen these t- Tesla coils, 
They are phenomenal. They're I, they're either thirty or sixty thousand dollars each, and they create lightning that hang down in a copper wire. Really cool. No, you're right. And and not only that, but the building's beautiful. They got the massive screen when you come in. Yeah. There's the it's very loud. That's a, that's a big thing. The home ice advantage is huge, and I think Montreal's proved that they can handle that. And a good example would have been against Vegas. We all know how. Um, extra they are over there in Las Vegas with with regards to the show they put on. So Montreal's prepped for that, but you make a good point. Tampa's got some cool stuff and some cool fixtures they have in the building. Another little point, Tampa's got five players in their in the top 10 scoring in the postseason. Montreal has one. So again, this goes back to what we were saying that you touched on, Wally. Tampa can beat you in any way you'd like. They can beat you with sandpaper. They can beat you physically, of course, and they can beat you defensively. They've got Vasilevsky in a pretty good decor, and they can score goals. So, again, clear-cut favorite, but I do love Montreal. They've proved everybody wrong. They've played the underdog role very well throughout the postseason. I, I still like it. Uh, what's the difference is our next topic? Okay, who in this Stanley Cup final, we know about Vasilevsky and Price and Kucherov and I just like, is there someone that's going to be that star that's going to emerge here? Boy, the difference maker. Well, I think if you're Montreal, it's your goaltending, of course. The difference maker will be the matchup between Price and Vasilevsky. I think that's the big talking point. Yeah. I believe that everybody's on the same page when we can all agree that these are arguably two of the best goaltenders that meet up in the finals in some time. We like the, the numbers just back that up. And so, we're talking about a difference maker. I'm looking at the young players. I'm looking at the, the young guns in Montreal right now. I'm looking at Caulfield. I'm looking at Suzuki. I'm looking at what they're able to do because we have to all look at the top line right now in Montreal with Deneau, Lekkinen, and Gallagher. And you got to think that they're going to be busy enough with their matchup shutting down that top line uh, across the way in Tampa. So secondary scoring is going to be huge. It's been the key factor for Montreal over these last three rounds. And I'm not just talking that second line. We can also look at Perry, Armia, and uh, – or excuse me, I guess Armia's not playing, but Perry and Stahl. And he, even a guy like Josh Anderson, I'm looking at him. And I'm leaning on Montreal a lot right now because we all know what the tricks are, uh, uh, what they're capable of in Tampa. So if I'm talking about Montreal specifically, it's your goaltending, it's your top four on D, and it's your two young players up front. I'm going to stick with those guys. Interesting. You brought up the goaltending matchup. It's the first time since, I think, 1999 – that there have been two Vesna Trophy winners going head to head in the same Stanley Cup final, so yeah. uh, it is uh, kind of a rare thing indeed. All right, at what price? So <laughs> yesterday I saw yesterday on Twitter I just saw someone starting to have a debate about Henrik Lundqvist and Carey Price, who was the better goalie. So I thought I would do a Twitter poll, yeah. and then and then the angry people came out, and people just defended because if you're a Ranger fan or you're a Habs fan, I get that, but I was curious about actual. I think it's almost a fair comparison. Henrik Lundqvist has great numbers. He's got 15 30-win seasons or something ridiculous. He's, you know, the fastest guy to 400 wins. He's got a Vesna. He's been in one cup final. Yeah. Carey, you know, and he's got a uh, Olympic gold. Carey Price has got, you know, a Hart Trophy, a Jennings, um, the, the Lester Pearson. He's also won Olympic gold, World Junior gold. He's got uh, lots of hardware. Right? Like, so, uh, and I think Carey Price is the first goaltender to win four major awards in one season. Is there a fair comparison to be made between the two goalies? And, and like, because for me, I don't know enough about goaltending, right? Like, I'd like, like, it's, I see them both. I can look at the numbers and make comparisons. I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I reached out to Brass, to Derek Broussard about it, because he had the, he played with Henrik, of course. Yeah. And he could give me a better idea. 
And I think he was leaning towards Kerry, but he was very divided on it. And that just goes to show you how tight that, that race really is. And I can understand now why it's, it was such a polarizing question. But again, it was telling to me that Brass naturally was gravitating towards Kerry Price. And I think that's fair. I do. I, I just, from my experience playing against the two, it just feels like Kerry was always a little bit more, um, maybe a little more composed. And I hate saying that because Henrik's a legend in his own right. But Kerry just seems to be a little more relaxed in between the pipes. Doesn't look like a guy that you can rattle quite as much. Yep. Uh, but again, it has to come down to the numbers. I hate the question. and It's a great question, but I hate having to answer it only because I think the comparables are so legitimate. And that I guess at this point in my career, or excuse me, at this point in their careers, and yeah. where Kerry's at finally now, and what he's shown us this year in the postseason, I'd have to give him an edge. It might be partially because he's the flavor of the month. He's been doing so well. But I, I do really believe, I do believe Kerry Price might have a slight edge. So uh, over 10,000 votes, 61% went with Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. I guess my question in that was, if you're going into game one of the cup final, which one of the two goalies would you want as your goaltender? Now, remember... You faced both of them in the postseason. So yeah. you would have a scouting report. So I'm just, which one of those two do you want in your net? Based off what I've seen this season and the way carrie yeah. has been playing in this postseason, I'm going with Carey Price. There's absolutely yeah. no question. And I played both. You mentioned that, Wally. Um, and it, to me, it's not really even a, it's, it's, it's not a difficult answer anymore. I mean, he's just, like I said, he's not all over the place. He's not relying on his athletic ability, which he clearly has, of course, but it's his instincts. It's the way he handles himself between the pipes, the movement. He's just, everything is very efficient. He's a very efficient goalie. He doesn't rattle easy. He's not sprawling all over the place, having to make crazy acrobatic saves, although he is fully capable of doing so. He's just a, a guy that, to me, if you're a defenseman and you know he's back there, he's very subtle, and he handles the puck pretty well, too. That's another thing with Carey Price. I think he's a better puck handler. So I'll have to go with him. Uh, again, I'm not trying to – I love both goalies. I'm not trying to get anybody angry. I don't want any angry Ranger fans coming after me, but that's my <laughs> – but just uh, you beat both of them, right? Like in playoff yeah. series. Yeah. So the only correct answer for you would have been Craig Anderson, but you blew it. So. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I, he's my guy. I'm always Andy. I'm always pro Andy. So we'll have to stick with that too. All right. Here we go to the final headline. Uh, don't touch me. So Nick Suzuki's dad takes his kids to the Hockey Hall of Fame, but won't let, and you, as you know, you can go up to the cup and you get your picture around it as it sits there. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't let his kids touch the cup as children. Yeah. Is he just a crazy hockey dad? Are you all for this right now? <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I went to the Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame, excuse me, when I was probably around 10. My dad took my brother and I. We were out in the, in the GTA area for a tournament. I can't even remember which tournament. But I, had my, I took the, a picture with the Stanley Cup, of course. And I touched it. I was, had my hands all over it. That might explain why I never <laughs> won one. But... I don't believe in all that. I find it very, I find it a little ridiculous, although it's entertaining from a fan's standpoint, of course, and it's sort of a traditional thing. But to me, it's a little ridiculous. I don't think that has anything to do with the fate of how you, how you fare in the postseason. Of course, especially with kids. I mean, really? You're going to go yeah. that far? Although I do find it funny and it's amusing and the kid, they're fantastic players. Yeah. So I'm not going to hate on the old man for that. But again, not something my dad ever did with us. And I don't really regret it either, despite not winning a Stanley Cup. So which leads me to my follow-up of number five, part B. Are you going to be a crazy hockey dad 
so Jack is now three. He's going to start playing yeah. here soon. What's Mark Mathot going to be like as a hockey dad? So it's a good question because I think from experience now being on both sides and, and actually seeing a lot of players that I've played with, former players that have kids playing and the way they act in the, in the crowds and being at games, the, the, the former player never really gets too excitable. Like I've noticed that mm. former players don't usually lose their minds. They're not too intense. Whereas I think a lot of other parents at times can be. And I, I, it's easy for me to say this now. I don't believe I'll be that guy. I, to be honest with you, I just want him to go out there and enjoy himself. Don't really care, uh, you know, how far he goes in hockey. I just want him to be happy. But, and, and it's funny because you go to some of these arenas now and they'll have signs, right, with basically uh, a way to, an etiquette as far as a parent goes. And the final comment is always, especially in Ottawa, is, your son does not play, or your son or daughter, excuse me, does not play for the Ottawa Senators. Yes. Chill, you know, take it down a notch. So again, if you're a parent, to me, a big thing and, and kids, kids pay attention. I can still remember if I was having a tough game, I'd always be looking at my dad or my mom to see if they had any reaction. You'd be surprised how in tune your kids are to, to your body language. So oh, yeah. it's something that you should be very, and Wally, you can attest to this because your son obviously plays. You got to, you got to be as professional in class as you can and always know that your kids are always watching. So it's important to stay level-headed and not act like yep. a lunatic. Because like I've had, and it's all valid, because I've had my son say, you moved in the first period or second period. Or <laughs> if he's having like a rough game and I just want to go outside and, I don't know, start smoking again because of the way he's playing. Is, um, <laughs> he's like, oh, you didn't like that period or whatever. So but yeah, one, one thing I... I I had to get away from all the chatter in the stands. So I started taking photos. So I would just stand along the glass yeah. and just take photos of everybody and give them yeah. out at the end of the year. Cause it's, you just and have to, a, you got to isolate yourself sometimes. Yeah. I, so I'm at one year, I was on the bench as a glorified door opener. I'm in no way should I be a head coach. And so uh, it was the final game of the year and we're at Senseplex in the Richcraft Senseplex. And now you can stand on the very top and across the ice. And this one parent is yelling at his kid to stay on the ice. You need to stay on the ice. And I'm looking yeah, at him that. like I'm trying to call him off for a line that's, change. That's Bush League. And so I said to him after. And then at one point, the kid kept coming off. And he was like, my feet really hurt today. And he's almost in tears. So I said, like, at the end of the game, what are you doing? He's like, well, he short shifts himself. I'm like, well, how about you let him short shift himself if he wants to come off the ice? It's he's he like I'm his feet hurt. Yeah. And so. I'll no. never forget that kind of stuff. It doesn't end. We had one parent, by the way. I'll never it's the very first year they're teaching five on five. And so the kids can barely skate. There was an email to the coach the next day. I would really appreciate it if you would do six on six because two kids missed a shift in the game and therefore they lost out on ice time. And so she now wants us to go oh. to six on six. And I'm like, but that's not how the game is played. There, there are so <laughs> many boneheads out there. It's incredible. It's yeah. I feel like I'm probably going to have run-ins with other parents because of that. And yeah. my patients obviously can wear thin pretty quickly. So that's something that I'm probably going to be have to be very mindful of. I might have to go to games with like a nice chamomile tea. I might have to double bag it, <laughs> try to keep me very level-headed. But yeah, yeah no, that's something that, yeah, and my dad was intense for the most, but he never, he wasn't a screamer. Like he wasn't at the games yelling. He was quiet, which is almost more <laughs> intimidating, right? And I think it's okay to push your kids a little bit, but there has to be a level I of- agree of understanding and right so it's okay to tell your kid that he didn't play a great game you know tapping your kid on the back is good 
but you also have to be constructive and you want them to progress and it's okay yeah. to be a little critical at times, but it's the way you carry yourself, especially in public in front of other yeah. people. And you know, your kids huge. watching, right? Anyway. Yep. It's huge. So anyway, it's, it's, I'm going to, I can't wait to watch how this all plays out for you just to sit back as someone who's <laughs> gone through it. I just, it'll, I think it'll be interesting because yeah, if you're well, an NHL player, you are marked though, right? Like pardon yeah. the pun that you yeah. are focused on of how you behave so that your kid because people right. are like, Oh, he knows what it takes to get to the NHL. So we're just going to follow his kid. And Lead by it. example. Yeah. That's right. So, all right. Uh, as I, I would do that conversation all day long. Maybe we should someday in the off season. Yeah, is, uh, those are the headlines built by Bonisher Excavating Inc. Helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Go to BonisherExcavating.com. All right. Time for a quick break. When we come back, the Chris Cuthbert interview. It's a dandy. Uh, quenched by Whitewater Distillery. who Recently launched their paperboat artisanal gin. Uh, has notes of orange peel, coriander, and black pepper. Uh, just try it. It's absolutely delicious. I can really attest good. to it. Uh, available at the LCBOs in Ottawa and the Ottawa Valley. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford with their all-new Roush-inspired BFC custom vehicles. Go check them out. Barhavenford.com slash BFC-Customs. Welcome back to the Wallingham Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford, and I couldn't be more happier to join a good friend of mine. At least I'm going to call him my good friend because I'm terrified throughout this interview. He may tear me apart occasionally. He's very quick-witted and very sharp. So here is Chris Cuthbert, the play-by-play -play voice of the Stanley Cup Final. CC, welcome to the show. Brett, it's good to be on the Mark Mathot uh, podcast. <laughs> I, I see how this is going to go. Uh, and for people that don't know, CC always used to like to call me Brett during broadcasts. So if that comes up in this show, you'll know why. Um, <laughs> yes. CC, how are you? Like, is there exhaustion that sets in right about now, or do you get an extra burst of energy as you go to the Cup final? No, this is pretty good stuff, and uh, it's uh, I guess every Stanley Cup playoffs is a neat ride. This one is uh, is standing out, and uh, what's neat about it is I I don't really think we saw this coming, and. Uh, so for a uh, for my first Stanley Cup final call to have uh, the first Canadian team in a decade, and I, I go back to the '93 run with uh, the Canadians, and that was my first really memorable Stanley Cup playoff run as a play-by-play -play guy, uh, because I had them for the first three rounds, and then Bob Cole took over for the for the final, which was always the plan and always understood. But I, I remember. As it got later, I thought, man, this is this is so much fun. I'd, I'd like to see it right to the finish line one day. And uh, and this year I get that chance. OK, so can you tell me what it's like for you to get this opportunity? This is the reason why you went to Sportsnet and you left TSN. And it makes complete sense. But now you get a chance to call your first cup final. Is there I don't know. Do you feel like a bit of a rookie? But you've called I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of playoff games. Well, it, it, I do feel like a rookie, and uh, and when it starts Monday night, there is a little bit of the unknown because uh, it, I haven't done it before, and uh, and that's that's what's great about this business. I mean, I, I when I got into it, I wanted to work for Hockey Night in Canada, and I checked that box in 1984, and uh, and then I wanted to be a full time play by play guy, and that happened kind of in the early 90s, and uh, and since then. Uh, I guess on the hockey side, the one thing I really wanted to do was call a Stanley Cup final. So it's uh, it's it's been 37 years in the making, and uh, and I, I'm I'm getting there. I it's all good. I, I'm touching wood now because 
Yoel Armia was left <laughs> back in Montreal with uh, with another COVID uh, test, and they test us every day here. So uh, I, I'm, I'm cautious. I don't want them knocking at the door telling me I just tested uh, positive uh, on the eve of a Stanley Cup final. And you guys yeah, are all kind of... Sorry, go ahead, Wally. As you it say, is you're all traveling show, in a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'll just, just going to ask him. I was just going to ask him how he deals with the... Like, uh, first of all, I can't believe that this is the first time in your incredibly long career that you're covering a final. How do you deal with the nerves then, Chris? Obviously, you can't pound a Red Bull and a coffee like we would as players. What do you do to kind of stay calm and with it in the moment? Oh, you know what? I, I had to cure myself of that Red Bull thing because uh, a few years ago, <laughs> the Red Bull was... Uh, was a mandatory uh, part of uh, the proceedings, but uh, <laughs> never, never good on the run to start doing that and not sleeping for a couple of days. So, uh, yeah. um, and in fact, Craig Simpson's got me back on a, a coffee before each game, which I had eliminated from the repertoire, but uh, yeah. it is performance enhancing. So I, I go with that. <laughs> uh, but you know what? We've been in the bubble, so we've been better behaved than, than uh. we've been in the past. Uh, uh, not as many broken curfews. And, uh, you know what, it's, uh, we're getting old and boring too. So that, that, uh, that helps at this point in time, because, uh, I remember some series, we had a series in 94 where, uh, we did the devils and the Rangers and the devils practiced in New Jersey. The Rangers practiced every day in Rye and we were in midtown Manhattan and, uh, nothing good <laughs> came of that two weeks. I'll tell you that, but as it turned out, it was one of the most memorable playoff series for a lot of reasons, but, uh, I I'm glad I survived that one. You said when you took over, when you joined uh, Sportsnet, that quote, something special about following a Canadian team and a Canadian run during the playoffs when you're covering it in Canada, looking forward to that again, like you couldn't have scripted, obviously, a better run for you now to get to your first Stanley cup final. I, I just, I, we probably labor on this a bit, but the fact that you get to call a Montreal series in your first Stanley mm. cup final, uh, I don't know. Do you feel like a kid again? I, I am amazed. It is exhilarating. Um, you know, I started in Montreal, my very first, uh, uh, I guess, major market job was, uh, was at uh, radio station, Montreal CJD. So, I mean, I went from Yorkton, Saskatchewan to uh, in a brief short time in Kingston, uh, uh, where I had gone to school to Montreal, where where my boss, Bob Dunn, walked me in the back way to the Montreal Canadiens dressing room. And I thought, <laughs> man, I I've gone from tier two junior in Saskatchewan in six months to walking into a dressing room. And talking to Larry Robinson and Serge Savard and Bob Ganey. And I mean, I was, I was wow. so far over my head. I'll tell you how far over my head was again. We, most, most media guys would go in the front door at the forum or the uh, dressing room main door, but uh, Bob Dunn was a veteran guy. He covered the Canadians forever. And he takes me through this back way and on coming to me is a big veteran Canadians defenseman. And I thought, well, you know, uh, you're here. You better act like you've been here before. And I went, hi, Larry. And the problem was it was Rod Langway. So that was not a good start. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I just, you know, I, I've been, I, I've covered this team closely in the eighties. Uh, again, I mentioned the, the 93 series. Uh, um, and so it, it is special. It would have been special with any Canadian team. I'll tell you the one thing that's not special is when you have to do an all Canadian series because you can't win because fans of one team are convinced you're pro the other team 
and vice versa. I, I think my, my I, I mean, I've, I've had to kind of shut Twitter down, uh, but I think that I'm, I'm being more accepted for my Canadians call now than I was in the first round where uh, I was getting a lot of advice on how I was not doing Montreal justice. So uh, <laughs> anyway, it, 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 there's good and bad. It comes with the territory. And I yeah. know Mark would know that as a player and, uh, uh, you know, but it, it's all fun and it, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So will there be Celine Dion tweets going forward or not? Please. That, that <laughs> you know what? You'd think after 40 years that I'd be smarter than that, but I, you know, I saw that picture I, and I think I've seen it prior to this year. You have, but I saw that pic. Yeah. And I saw the picture in game one and I thought, oh, that's kind of neat. I, I should, uh, I should use that somehow, or we should use it in the broadcast somehow. And then in game two, I saw it and I wasn't ready with the, with the camera or whatever and, and with my iPad to take a picture of it. So in game five, we're going to sit around two hours before the game and it came up and I thought, ah, a good way to promote tonight's game. So I <laughs> sent, I sent the picture out that I, you know, I, I was going to have some kind of tongue in cheek comment, but I, I decided to play, you know, I thought she'd be a Canadians fan. Well, I mean, it just stupidity followed that. I mean, I I think the uh, the Celine Dion fan club members all got after me. Uh, TMZ <laughs> was trying to get a hold of me, and then the next day, the Gazette. And I guess it was tongue in cheek, like me. But I'm th- they're uh, they've got it on the front page, and I'm thinking you've got to be kidding me. So uh, <laughs> you know, so no more Celine Dion. I, I just I just can't go there and. Uh, I might not even play the uh, Tom Brady card here in, in Tampa. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from icons and so don't mess with them. <laughs> oh, I love I loved it. I love the reaction that you got from it. And you brought up the whole Homer feeling or being told that you're pro this or pro that. Uh, will you, does your call change because there's a Canadian team in it or will you still try and stay fairly neutral? Well, I, I think we, I think when it's a Canadian team versus an American team, you start to look, a little bit through the lens of, uh, of, of the Canadian team. Um, I know when it's a Canadian Canadian matchup, I, I actually, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say it, I shouldn't say it, but I, I waste mental energy trying to play even up. I've got this yeah. little, I've got this little, um, you know, hourglass in my head. And at one point, if I say something about the Winnipeg jets, then I know that sooner or later, the next comment better be about the Montreal Canadiens or vice versa. And it's always in the back of my mind. You'd be amazed at uh, how many calls I had. I had graded by fans uh, that they didn't like the energy level of my call uh, in, in, uh, in previous rounds. And I had Leaf fans upset that I was clearly a Canadians homer and Montreal fans from across the country disgraced uh, by my, uh, uh, by my pro leaf, uh, call. So, uh, you know, I'm always thinking I get less of that is what I'm saying. And I, you know, I'm, I may be less worried about it, uh, when it's not an all Canadian matchup, but you know what? I mean, there's how many great Canadian players on the Tampa Bay lightning. And I mean, and, and it's a team with a profile now that I know there's, there's lots of fans across the country that like the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, when I would do a playoff series and if Mark Mathot was in that game, I, want, I want, wanted to tell Mark Mathot's story and, and any player that had grown up in Canada 
I wouldn't have been high on the London night stuff with Mark Mathot <laughs> because I used to have a, an association with Guelph and, uh, and I'm not a big fan of London, but uh, anyway, uh, but I, I, you know, I would want to do you justice as well as, uh, sure. a, as the team. So, you know, I, I, Danny Gallivan had the great line, and I, I, I should put it on my Twitter handle, but uh, in fact, I acknowledge in my Twitter handle that uh, this whole issue, because it, 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 it's, it's so much wrapped around being a play-by-play guy in Canada. I, uh, I don't cheer for your team, and I don't hate your team. So, uh, yeah. uh, but Danny would, would say that uh, bias is always in the ear of the beholder and that that's how he handled it. And, and even the great Danny Gallivet, I'm sure was for many years thought of outside of Montreal as a, as, as pro Canadian, but he was so good that uh, I don't think anybody worried about it too much. And, and fortunately for, for him anyway, uh, there was no social media to really follow up on it. And it's so true. Like I always used to say, I get paid the same whether your team wins or loses. It doesn't really matter to me. That was always the argument of people. But you did get to call perhaps the greatest team ever, and that was, f- I think, five years with the Ottawa Senators and working alongside me. Um, but people don't appreciate, I think, enough how good a regional broadcast the Ottawa Senator fans got when they got you, Gord Miller, Ray Ferraro, Mike Johnson, Jay McLennan, yeah. all these guys who were top-notch. You got a full national broadcast with these individuals i just do you miss covering i guess the ottawa senators because you got to get a little bit closer because you did more games well again you you make a good point it's a regional broadcast so at that point i think this confuses fans because they get that regional perspective the whole year and it is we slant totally or a a great deal more to the home team in a regional broadcast Mm. And um, and I and I'm going to follow up on this in a second because one of my career highlights was that 2015 run, um, for sure. Uh, but now you go from from hearing, uh, you know, Brian Mudrick and uh, and the guys in Montreal and who do a great job and 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 Gord and, and others in Ottawa, Dennis Bayak in Winnipeg, across the country, John Shorthouse and. John Garrett in Vancouver, Rick Ball in Calgary, and Jack Michaels and uh, and and Louis DeBrusque in Edmonton, and you get you get such a great focused on the local market regional broadcast. Then the national guys come in, and and the fans are convinced. Well, a you don't know as much about the team, and b you, you don't yeah. care about them. But you know, at that point, what we're doing is is bringing that broadcast to the to the national audience. So it doesn't sound the same. And uh, I, I guess for a lot of fans who like that local, uh, the, the, the hardcore home fans like that regional approach better. But let me just tell you, 2015, I mean, we were all on board. I felt as excited, maybe more excited about that run in 2015 because it was so incredible, so magical, so unexpected. Uh, I think it compares a great deal with what I'm doing now, even though uh, Ottawa didn't go to the cup. And I, I, I only got a, to call a couple of those playoff games for NBC actually in, in, uh, in that year. But I mean, for drama and storytelling and, and, and just sheer excitement, uh, there was nothing like that. I mean, I still will tell you that my favorite, regular season game call ever was uh in the last week when um uh when they they needed pretty well to win out i think there might have been room to lose one but i don't know if that was the case and pittsburgh comes to town 
and it's the last game you look on the schedule and think, man, can they get through that? And Crosby scores in the first minute. Pittsburgh goes up 3-0. And somehow they fight their way back. They get a shorthanded goal to get a little momentum. Uh, they score early in the third period. I, I, re I don't remember details of games very well, but I remember this one. And then uh, Hoffman scoring with the, uh, with the empty net. And then I'm getting chills thinking about uh, Stone in overtime. I mean, there was, uh, you know, the only, the only regret I had is, uh, is after he scored in Philadelphia to clinch it, and we got, we left the, the, the rink and we're headed to the airport. I thought, man, that, that run was etched in stone. And I thought, where was that? Where was that when I needed it? You know? <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, that was, that was something that was just uh, and the Hamburglar and uh, how many corny jokes did we say about robberies <laughs> at the, I mean, but uh, anyway, it was all great stuff. Now it was, that was a great run, but I, that game, you probably don't remember this. I had to host the beginning of the game, but I had to do the over the boards interview on the bench and then run down the tunnel, get it to the elevator and get up to your broadcast booth to host a show. Well, I come around the Zamboni tunnel and I wipe out and I'm, I'm rolling. You know I mean? Now I'm, I, my chin is bleeding. I've now gone face first. And I'm, so my microphone goes flying and I'm like, now I'm dropping up on, but I like, I'm now I'm terrified. I'm about to go on television. And I, we somehow it almost went national. I think that game no, it would have been regional. I've got blood. So I'm up in the press box trying to tampen this down with some more makeup. And you're just like, you, you're beside yourself. You know, I'm flustered. I'm, I'm going to lose my mind sort of. And I can just see you there the whole time. Just that little grin going. I love every second of this. <laughs> hey, I'll make you feel better. I got a story like that. Uh, it wasn't on a broadcast day, but we, the day before, it was a series in Boston. I, I don't know if it was Montreal and Boston or not. And, um, it, no, it would have been, a, it probably was the 88 or the 90 Stanley Cup final. And uh, I was on the crew as an extra reporter and, and this was the final. And that's why I was just, uh, I was, I, I was kind of in the background, but uh, um, the day before one of the games in Boston, we had uh, Don Cherry did a segment with Bobby Orr on the Bruin bench. And for whatever reason, I'm standing on the ice watching this just to stay out of the way, but to kind of be able to hear everything. And as this is starting, I'm thinking, man, Bobby Orr's right there. I, I got to get something to sign for my kids. So, uh, so I realized that, you know, a short, um, a short bit away is the, is the Bruin store. So I decide to charge down the, uh, the, the, the tunnel toward the dressing room. And Mark would remember in the old Boston garden, I think, did you play there? Or? No, I never played. No, the you're too garden. young, too young. Way too the young. old garden had this, this really, I mean, old kitchen tile on the floors. And so I'm running with, and I'd been standing on the ice, shoes are wet, running down the rubber. <laughs> and as soon as I hit that tile, I went, I mean, I was plastered face planting up against the, the wall. I went down and I wasn't sure I was getting up, <laughs> but I did crawled up. Fortunately, nobody saw this carnage and got up, got to the store, got back just in time to, to get an or signature for my kids. But uh, man, I paid the price for that autograph. <laughs> <laughs> that's great stuff uh do you have parents or players or agents or coaches gms like mad at you after certain games or annoyed at your call or what's who's the worst of the group 
You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever had that. Uh, I did have it in junior and, and it was a good learning lesson for me uh, in Saskatchewan. Again, I remember a, a game where one of our defensemen uh, kind of left the game with an injury halfway through the game. And I never called his name afterwards. And, and, and the, and his father was pretty upset that I didn't follow up on. And to be honest with you, it just kind of, I mean, we were, we, we were a team that won 14 games out of the 60 that year. So it was kind of uh, it was one of those regular seven, one thrashings. And, and I wasn't sure if, uh, you know, he'd been benched or even noticed that, he had, was not taking the regular turn anymore, but it was a rookie move on my part. And uh, I heard about it from that dad, but for the most part, uh, um, the, the funniest story I've got, and it's not me, but I worked with somebody in Montreal and I won't, I won't out him, but he's high profile. And at one <laughs> point, at one point he called Terry Ryan, uh, a guy from Red Deer and Terry Ryan had played junior in Red Deer uh, but he was a Newfoundlander and everybody knew he was new, a Newfoundlander. And, and I'm sure that uh, my high profile colleague knew that too, but it just made the Red Deer connection for whatever. So I get back to the hotel after the game and my message light is on. And uh, I listened to a two minute voice message in a very thick Newfoundland accent from a guy from Labrador City, Newfoundland, or Labrador City, Labrador. And he, uh, and he goes on this diatribe as how we all should have known, and I should have corrected him, but all's okay now. Canadians won the game, so it's all right, Chris. And if you ever come up to Labrador City, I'll buy you, I'll buy you a beer. So, that, that, <laughs> so that's the kind of impressive, important feedback you get on Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you still have a blazer? Blue blazer? Oh yeah, I, I definitely have a blazer. I'm I'm not I'm not saying I can fit into that blazer, but uh, that was my goal. My goal was to wear powder blue. I, uh, you know, I, I grew up watching all those guys. Uh, uh, Dave Hodge, in particular, was uh, yeah. was a was a hero of mine. But Gallivan and uh, and and the rest of them, uh, it was you know that's you, you grew up with that every Saturday night, and that's that's where I, I dreamed, never, never really thought it would come true, but that was the dream to, to work for Hockey Night in Canada. Do you have a routine, game day routine? Oh, very much. Uh, and probably, you know, I, I, I'm, I know Mark would probably be able to time his pregame or the game day routine down to the minute. Mine is, uh, mine's pretty regimented too. And uh, Mark, uh, uh, I know you'll be proud of this. It also includes at least a, a 60 minute, but preferably a 90 minute nap. But, uh, <laughs> but it's all pretty regimented from uh, reading the notes in the morning or reading, reading the, uh, the, the, the newspaper articles, uh, going through the game notes, finishing your own notes in this era, uh, Zoom calls with players and coaches, uh, getting those quotes onto your board, uh, uh, after lunch, maybe a quick review of that, the very important, uh, uh nap. And, uh, it, it's, um, it, it, it's very predictable. It's, uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I, when people think, well, it's game day, you got nothing else to do. It's funny how, how quickly game day becomes game night. And that's probably more so for you than me. Uh, but in the past, I, I, when I started, uh, I couldn't eat breakfast in the morning when I, first five years on hockey night, I was, I was really wound up, but uh, now it's an, 
it's another day at the office and and it's a lot more enjoyable that way and you actually try and almost manufacture nerves sometimes just to make sure you're you're on I, I won't have to do that Monday I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a little bit of that and that'll be good I'm sure working with me probably created a few nerves because you never knew I was pretty unpredictable. I, but I've never seen you get rattled in a booth at, ever. Oh, like, has there ever been oh, anything that's gone? Don't change the rule that, uh, you know what? I'll tell you, I got rattled. I, 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 and this, this goes back to maybe one of my first answers. Uh, I, I was rattled after the uh, Suzuki goal in, uh, in overtime in uh, what was that game five of the first yeah. round because uh i thought i hit the post uh and i it's funny i'd had a conversation somebody who who knows uh uh an important guy in game ops was saying i'm going to talk to him this week and this was about a month ago and i said would you ask them to put more padding in the net because i think we late in the season we had one of those where it had come out so fast that oh, yeah. uh, they had to stop the game 40 seconds later because the referees thought it was off the bar. Everybody thought it had hit the uh, crossbar. And I, for, for some reason, back in the old day, you bent, uh, you bent the twine. Remember the net would bulge, you bulge the twine. Uh, now everything's so tight and they got the equipment in there and it's not padded very well. And it, it comes out as fast as it goes in. Hmm. And, uh, and I've had a few of those and those are the worst, not being absolutely sure of the pucks in the net. And, uh, you know, there's this two on O in overtime and you're thinking, this is it, this is the game. And for a split second, I thought it hit the post. And I thought, I was kind of like, how'd he miss? And then I could see the reaction of the player and then you knew, but, uh, I'll tell you what, that was, uh, that was not a good night going home. That's, uh, that's like, uh, that's like, uh, well, Mark, Mark never did this, but it would have been like him giving the puck away for the game winning goal. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was not a good sleep after that game. Is that th- like, do you spend a lot of time thinking about game winning goals and how you're going to call them or they just all come naturally? I, so you're going into the gold medal game. You've got overtime coming up. And are you thinking like, how am I going to end this? Uh, in overtime, I did. I, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even think about overtime and I'm, I'm going to admit something I shouldn't admit. Uh, but Ron Wilson didn't know it either. I didn't know what the exact rules for over. I didn't even think about overtime. So I wasn't even sure. Okay. It was one thing during the round Robin, but I know it's different now. And even Ron Wilson, uh, you know, months later told me that he wasn't exactly sure how long they were going in overtime either. It became a, a 10 minute overtime period. Um, so I, for whatever reason, I never thought that the gold medal game would go to overtime. I didn't sleep the night before that game. It was a noon game. So we're into the middle of the afternoon and, you know, it was an emotional ride and, and, the, and it, it ends tied in regulation. And I'm starting believe it or not, I'm starting to get a little dopey because, uh, you know, I haven't slept. And so I'm doing mental exercises. I did a radio interview to keep sharp. Uh, Ray Farrar was sitting beside me and, and he looked at me like I was nuts for going over to do this interview for five, six minutes during the intermission. But I was just trying to stay mentally in the game. And right before the players came to center ice to drop the puck, I, I was still, you know, working through things in my head. And I thought, you know, if this was soccer, the next goal would be the golden goal. And I kind of went, Ooh, I like that. And so, uh, you know, and I, I'd done something similar in, I don't know if you guys remember the five overtime game, the primo overtime goal. 
and you're going after every after every overtime intermission, you're thinking, when's this going to end and how should we end it? And and I, I think in the third or fourth intermission period, I thought, you know what, whoever scores, he's the marathon man tonight. And and uh, and that worked out well. I liked it. I don't know if anybody else did, but I liked it. So the golden goal sounded like something that, you know, it was no matter who scored it for Canada. I'm not sure I would have used it for the States, but uh, uh, forever, whoever scores it for Canada, that's the way we're going to go. So that that's uh, you're always thinking of to me it's like being a headline writer you're you're thinking about something that puts the right stamp on the night and uh yeah. and uh so y- you know that there's going to be I, I i read a lot of guys that say you know it's completely um you know spontaneous i i understand that but i also am pretty sure most guys have five or six things that they may or may not say, or that uh, one day they thought of, I think the greatest call ever is the touch them all, touch them all Joe. And, you know, I, I never talked to Tom cheek about it and I don't diminish this for, for one iota, but I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the back of his mind, he thought that one day there's going to be a big home run and he's going to use that. And he was smart enough and great enough to wait for the perfect time to do it. Does Chris Cuthbert have a Montreal Canadiens winning the Stanley Cup call that you plan to use if they do? Ah, he can't give that up, can he? No, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I don't yet. Um, I don't yet. The, like the, the one for now, you, you know, I guess they're not great calls when you got to explain them. But uh, the other night, it was, <laughs> it was Cejan Batiste, Fet National, Fet National. And so I, uh, I thought going to overtime, you know, do I do the, it's the first time in 28 years or it's the first time in a decade that, uh, um, and then I thought, you know, this is a holiday in Quebec. There's a million people outside the building. And, uh, hmm. so I thought of, uh, Fet Canadien and, uh, and I, I ended up with a lot of people on Twitter saying, what the heck did you say? And what does that mean? And everything <laughs> else. So uh, I thought it was pretty good, but, uh, I guess, you know, it wasn't quite as good as I thought. Who's your favorite travel partner of all your broadcast friends? Beyond you? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> who's my favorite travel partner? I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I hate the, I hate the favorite. Like Mark, could you uh, would you say who your favorite defensive partner was, or would that? No, because uh, no, you're throwing everybody else under the yeah, bus. Exactly. Right? I, I, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. I, listen, couldn't be more fortunate could not be more fortunate with the people I've worked with. Hmm. And, and, and somebody once asked me, I think it was, yeah, I was just asked recently, has there any been anybody you've worked with that you, you didn't get along with? And I've had over 60, I think the last count was somewhere in the sixties of, of, of color commentators. And the only guy I could answer was remember George Michael from the, uh, the sports machine. Um, he he was doing one year he was doing the Washington Capitals games. And for whatever reason, the hockey night in Canada production crew uh, was asked to help out. And Danny Gallivan had gone down there the year before and done all the regional games for a year. And then they gave it to George Michael. But for whatever reason, hockey night in Canada was sending Jim Houston. I, I, I was on with Jim Houston and I didn't realize he had done the same thing as I did. And actually he answered the same way. Um, but George Michael had this attitude about, 
he he was very condescending about Danny Gallivant, which is mistake number one uh, beside any other Canadian broadcaster. And and so it it was a long uh, six uh, three hour telecast because uh, uh, I just thought you know you you do your thing I'll I'll do what I'm expected to do. But uh, mm. uh, but everybody else, I mean, hockey guys are hockey guys, and 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 you know I've. I found Canadian football guys the same way, and and in in the Olympics, Olympians are are the same. They're just uh, great people and uh, great to be around. and And I've learned something from every one of them, which is and and now I'm with Craig Simpson, and I'm I'm really amazed. And I shouldn't be because he was a coach behind the bench back in in 2006 when the Oilers went to the Stanley Cup. He was an assistant, but he's uh, he's a real smart guy and. And one of my favorite years was 93 and, and Dick Irvin actually, who, I mean, I worked with a legend. I mean, it doesn't get better than working with Dick Irvin, but Dick said to me once he heard me on a radio broadcast and, and somebody had asked me about the Islanders. I said, that's a team I'd like to have played uh, industrial league hockey with because the guys in the room are so good. And you'd go in that room after after any game and, and uh, you talk to Glenn Healy or Pat Flatley or Ray Ferraro or, Steve Thomas, they were all, they're all Mark Mathot like guys who, who you'd love talking hockey with. And, uh, and as it turned out, I ended up working with three of them in the booth, uh, 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 Pat for a short time, but, uh, uh, but heels and, and Ray more often. And, uh, and, you know, just, just awesome to be able to work with all of them. How many air miles does Chris Cuthbert have? I I'm, I'm slumping <laughs> this, this pandemic's hurt me. So I'm, I'm at 3.5 million and I, you know, you're, you got, you've got 4 million in the, you, you know, uh, just down the road, but uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. This last two years is uh, it, it's not been good for air miles. What do you get when you get to 4 million? Like, do they just send a plane to you at that point? Cause you get uh, a gift every million, don't you? Uh, at 3 million, we got a, uh, at two business class seats anywhere in the world. And I thought, uh, where do I, where would I go that I would not normally run out to buy those tickets and so we went to china which was an amazing an amazing trip but uh you know i i figure at four million the balloon should come out of the uh out of the uh, <laughs> ceiling of the plane and uh I, I was a little upset because i was told that a few three million guys were actually met as they walked off the plane when they hit three million so I kind of strided off like I was something important uh, when I knew <laughs> I was going over the top and there was, there wasn't anybody there, but uh, anyway, uh, they, they treat me pretty well. And I, I know you guys read about, uh, you know, Air Canada and, and that uh, on, on Twitter every once in a while when a flight gets delayed, but uh, they've taken pretty good care of me for the last 40 years. And they are very good. I've had a few delays, but um, do you have a favorite airport you like to fly through? Um, no, but I'll tell you I, the strangest airport travel story is, uh, and I guess you weren't know this. I'm trying to think of this was an Ottawa game. It would have been an Ottawa game, I think, but it was in, we did, uh, we were in, we had back-to-back Ottawa, Boston, Ottawa Rangers. I'm pretty sure it was Ottawa and, um, we're in Boston and a snowstorm hits. We're flying at, I don't know why we were flying from Boston, New York. We should have just got on the train, but we were flying the next day and there's a snowstorm. So we get to the airport nine and they move us to 10. They move us to 11. They move us to noon and I'm collecting and I'm glad I did. I collected the different boarding passes and I actually tweeted 
pointed out, which may have saved my job, um, uh, because it, it's one o'clock now, another boarding pass. And finally, I called our boss at the time, Mark Millier, and I said, Mark, uh, we're having a little trouble here getting out. And about 1.30 or 2, I heard that LaGuardia had been shut down. So we don't have all the details, but I'm thinking if it's snowing here, it must be a bad storm there. And if LaGuardia is shut down, we better think about you know, driving, even though we don't know, you know, they're not flying. So what kind of drive is it in a snowstorm? So uh, they decide they're going to get a car for us. And then Ray says, uh, it's a snowstorm. We're, we got to go in an SUV. So the car is not good enough. We got to wait another hour for the SUV. <laughs> and now it's three o'clock. And anyway, to make a long story longer, we were we were going literally at the same time as a train. And we we're trying to calculate if we could get to whatever Hartford or wherever where they could drop us off on a train at a train so we could get right into uh, Penn Station which is where MSG is and we were about five or ten minutes behind the whole way so so now we've got to drive right in and the, our guy misses the bridge into Manhattan and I can see Manhattan I'm actually pointing I, I think we're supposed to be going over there we're going to New Jersey <laughs> He dropped us off for a seven o'clock game. He dropped us off in front of the building at seven o five. We oh went from God. the truck into the building. It was ten minutes, ten minutes into the game before we actually got on the air. And uh, I think they called in uh, Gord and uh, Aaron Ward for ten minutes of. I'm not sure why they just didn't pick up the MSG broadcast for five or ten minutes, but uh, uh, that's the only game I've ever showed up late for because we couldn't get out of Boston in an entire day to get to New York, which again, turned out to be about a three hour drive. That's outstanding. Of all the games you've, and I'm sure you've kept track. We'll include CFL junior, whatever. How many games have you called play by play for? Don't, don't know. And it, it's really <laughs> weird. I, I don't know why I didn't keep absolute track of them. Uh, um, I guess I've tried to figure out it might be around uh, somewhere between eight and 900 CFL games. And, uh, there is a guy in the States uh, who, who for some reason keeps track of everybody's national telecasts. And I think he's got me around, I don't 1200 national telecasts, but that doesn't include any regional broadcasts, which are, you know, all the Ottawa Senator games, uh, Maple Leaf regionals. Uh, uh, so, so I'm not sure, but I, I, I guess, a, I guess a ballpark guess would be 3000 games somewhere around there. Okay, so is there one obscure sport you would love to do play-by-play -play for? I've done some obscure sports. I did, uh, <laughs> I did ski jumping in 1988 at the Olympics. I, I, I don't know if you remember Matty Nukkonen uh, was the, the Finnish star of the day, and he was a bit of a wild card guy. I think, I think he's passed away, but he was in jail for a while. Uh, he, uh, well, it was an Eddie, the Eagle, Eddie the Eagle. I, yeah. I covered Eddie, the Eagle and Matty wow. Nukunen in 88. Um, and, uh, in fact, I've covered two athletes. Nukunen swung his skis at me because we were, you know, he was the story. And, you know, I, that was when you're in ski jumping, they, they, there's not a whole lot to do. So we were, we were on the Matty Nukunen story big time. And I think we got a little too close. He didn't like our, uh, he didn't like our, our attention and, and he kind of swung his skis at me one day, but uh, 
but I, I covered uh, uh, at Eddie Eagle in 88 and, uh, and Tanya Harding in, in figure skating. So, so there's two movies from, uh, from athletes I've covered, which is pretty wild. Uh, uh, but, you know, I started my, my pathway into hockey night in Canada was calling soccer games. I, ca- I called the, uh, the Montreal Manique of the North American Soccer League. Oh, yeah. And that team was owned by Molson's, which owned the production house for, for Hockey Night in Canada. And uh, so they kind of, when Danny Gallivan and Bill Hewitt retired, they uh, were looking for, for new people. And uh, they, they kind of recruited Jim Houston and I at the same time. And so I always thought they had pretty good scouts. Uh, I was biased, of course, but uh, did think. Uh, uh, but anyway, the the fact that I did soccer for for a Molson Brewery owned team is the reason I'm on Hockey Night in Canada, which is which is kind of interesting. But uh, but whether I want to do high lie or cricket, uh, no, I'm I'm not sure there's anything left that I <laughs> I have to I have to call. Chris, but just on that note, really quickly, because you caught my attention, when you're covering a different sport like ski jumping, how do you prepare for that? Like, are you just are you doing like a course leading up to it just to know what you're talking about? Full immersion, you know, and, and CBC was great at that, Mark, because uh, when they decided you were going to, they never sent you to an Olympics without having been at another event. I went to Bulgaria and this was during the Persian Gulf War. I went to Bulgaria. Oh we God. were, Taller Cranston and I were the only guys on a plane into Sofia, Bulgaria, because at that point, they were worried about, you know, planes getting shot out of the sky. And, and, uh, and it was one of the eeriest flights ever because it was a huge plane. And, and I'm exaggerating a little. There probably was 10 people on the flight yeah. and we were two of them. But I had a, I had a week with Taller Cranston, which was, <laughs> which was not just figure skating 101. It was, it was figure skating 101 and then the advanced and and I for a week I learned everything about it and and when I called uh, kayak uh, um, the the rowing and canoe kayak at the Olympics, oh they they sent me to the World Championships, and I met Adam Vancouverden at at the World uh, Kayak Championships the year or two before in a, in just outside Atlanta, and I remember when I met him I thought man this is a different cat this this guy is a different amateur athlete. He had a pro-level persona uh, character, um, and and I don't mean it in any negative way, but I knew he didn't suffer fools at all, and I had to be sharp to to cover Vancouverden because uh, the only you were going to have to earn his respect. And uh, when he won gold in Athens in t- two thousand and four. Um, I was the first guy to meet him as he came out of the boat on the, at the uh, at the uh, at the area where they uh, uh, what do they call that rent where, where the the area the interview area anyway it doesn't matter oh the mix zone or whatever the mix zone no, at the mix zone I was the Canadian guy to meet him and say you know how does it feel to be now Olympic champion and and I got such a great interview from him uh, in fact they were trying to get him hustled along for the medal ceremony. And he even told the, uh, you know, the, the Olympic volunteer there, I'm not finished yet because, you know, I, I kind of earned that respect and he understood this was his 15 minutes of, yeah. you know, this was his, his, his moment. And he was going to take advantage of it, not in a cocky way, but he was an Olympic champion and it was, he had, he had the, he had the podium. 
and I, I don't think that would have gone nearly as well had I not been at a world championships a year or two earlier. So they always prepared you. Um, I did gymnastics in 1988 and uh, Elfie Schlegel, again, it's your color commentators. Elfie Schlegel was as knowledgeable, as talented a broadcaster as I've ever worked with. She knew everybody in gymnastics. She knew all the Russians, all the Americans, mm. all the important players. And, uh, and she taught me enough of what I needed to know about the sport so that when we were covering that 88 Olympic uh, championship, it was her and I and a cameraman and at the next table, there were 16 people doing it for NBC with all their researchers and stats people and commentators and, and the like. And uh, I thought we were, you know, I thought we were just as good as they were because Elfie was better than anybody else. And, um, so, yeah, it, I, I got a lot of pride out of doing other sports. Uh, I've called uh, Olympic gold medals for Canada in five different sports, which I don't think anybody else has done. But I'm at the point in my career now where I'm, I'm probably not as adept as picking up new stuff. So uh, I, I'm ready not to be exposed for, for my lack of knowledge in, in other <laughs> sports now. So I'll, I'll let somebody else do that. But uh, those are some career highlights for me, for sure. Oh, that's nice. fantastic. I know surfing yeah. is now a, a Olympic sport this year. Maybe you can get on that. Yeah, but that'd be a gig that I might want to, you know, to <laughs> do a little research on. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are a five-time Canadian screen screen award winner. Why is it that you can't put a top on the water bottle in the press box in your booth? It's, uh, it's because you got to focus on what's important and what's important is down below on the ice or on the field. And, uh, and so, you know, there, there's a lot of cords in the booth. And uh, you know what? I, I think I've only spilled once this year. So it might have been a TSN thing. I'm, it might have been you rattling me before games because <laughs> I, Craig Simpson was warned. And I think he was a little concerned because I, I think he's very uh, precise in, in how he handles things. But uh, I think there's been only one bit of spillage this year, which, uh, hmm. which I think speaks volumes about my TSN career and, uh, and how sometimes I just had to carry the show. The one thing people don't know is Chris Cuthbert was notorious for spilling water all over his notes. I'd probably say just prior to the game. And so you'd have all these highlights of all the markers. And it's just a big, almost blob by the end of it. It was entertaining to watch because people like, he just spilled his water again. <laughs> I, you know what we did, we did a game down below uh, and this was not a spill, but uh, uh, I don't know if you remember when we were doing games uh, between the benches and uh, it was in Washington one night and, you know, Ovechkin's always at the end of the bench. So he's right beside me with, he wasn't on the ice. He was beside me and early on in the game and, and down on the benches, you could not have that chart. I, I learned that later, but because uh, you could not look down or you're going to get one right in the forehead. Uh, but early on in that game, somebody had, uh, you know, the snow was flying and, and it was all over my, my board. And it was like, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going old school here with Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke with the, the chalk on the sidewalk. And then it rained. Well, it, that's what it looked like. It was just a complete blur. And, uh, and it will be one of my favorite moments because Ovechkin looked at me, looked at the notes and then looked back at me and just shook his head while the game was going on. It was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty cool. That's great. Uh, we're going to wrap up, but I like, 
what are you looking what's the big storyline do you think that plays out in this game is it Carey price and andre vasilevsky is there something else that you're looking at to see how this is going to play out well that's that's a i mean this is uh, i was thinking about calling this world class but these guys are all world-class players but that this is this is as high a level of goaltending matchup as you could get in a Stanley Cup final. And, and that's going to be, I, I, I mean, they're going to be two, one games. I would think they're going to be one, nothing two one. Uh, if, if the form chart holds here, uh, Tampa's got that ability to, to score more, but, um, but uh, I think it's, it's about the goaltenders and, and who can find a, a shred of offense, uh, in uh, and it is amazing that the Lightning have uh, a team that was just uh, what was the the greatest show on ice or whatever it was uh, um, is now so good defensively. I mean the Islanders didn't get a sniff in Game Seven, so uh, yeah. so yeah, I think it's going to be the goaltenders. I mean this Armia news today. Uh, I, I don't know how it follows up, but it's uh, it's a little it's a concerning because uh, you know. The, the beauty of the Canadians is they've had everybody contributing. I guess Jake Evans yeah. would be a good fit to go in there if he's healthy enough to, to go in and stay in. Um, but uh, that's, that's a tough break for the Canadians, but um, you know what? I mean, can Cole Caulfield keep what he, up what he's doing? I, I I'm fascinated by the way he has made an impact in his first year. He's uh, he's a kid that wears his passion for the game on his sleeve, which is, which is really neat. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what Mark your expectations were for him uh, after sitting out the first two games, but uh, he's been kind of special to watch since then. Yeah. He's not lacking confidence because during one of your broadcasts, they showed him walking in with a fedora and a three piece suit. So clearly a very, very confident kid. I, I'm like you though. I, I was surprised. I didn't think he'd be that dominant, but been a fantastic player to watch. Yeah. And uh I mean, I, I, I mentioned, I, I think it was about a 24 goal pace he was playing on and then yeah. he scored the other night. So it's even more now. And you're thinking it's probably Impressive. unfair to be, to be doing that uh, projection on, on what he's doing in the playoffs because it's even harder to score now, but uh, yeah, it, it is impressive. And, and this yeah. is, but this is, I think they understand that this doesn't come along and Corey Perry's made that point. Uh, I mean, they're, they've captured uh, uh, pardon the, pardon the pun, uh, they've captured a little lightning in a bottle for, uh, for three rounds. And uh, uh, I was thinking about this, and, and, and I don't know how far Ottawa is going to progress next year, but I think we all think they're going to take the next step. But there is a very good possibility that Montreal, Toronto, or Boston doesn't make the postseason next year. Hmm. I mean, if you're thinking about Tampa's probably going to make it, Florida looks like a team that it's it's on the way. Now Florida yeah. might miss too, but uh, but next year going forward, it, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs, and and it's going to be even tougher for those teams if Ottawa makes the next step like they did in the second half of this year. So uh, um, you know it's it's take advantage of the opportunity while it's here for Montreal. That's well said. Uh, last question before we go. Philip Deneau likes to enjoy pizza after every series clinching win. How will Chris Cuthbert celebrate his final Stanley Cup game? <laughs> well, it, it may involve a beverage. And I'll tell you what, uh, being being in protocol through all this, uh, that's been tough to do. So, uh, uh, listen, I'll savor it uh, regardless. I mean, the best part of it is uh, is after you've done a good show. And this is, again, I, 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 I shouldn't pretend to be 
making comparisons to being players. But uh, I love the fact that after you've done a, a good broadcast or a good series that you, you get to uh, uh, share a few, uh, a few beverages with uh, the people around you because the production crew here has been great as, uh, as it was in Ottawa. Uh, the guys in the van in Ottawa are as good as anybody that does it, yeah. but uh, these people are uh, first rate and, uh, and you love telling stories after it's over. And uh, it's always good when the, uh, when the beverages are cold and wet. And very good. And I've always enjoyed sitting around afterwards and having a few uh, beverages with you. Uh, occasionally you paid, which was not expected. So you uh, caught me at a weak moment. Uh, I, I miss actually the fact that I'm not getting detailed notes uh, for the Stanley cup final, but uh Anyway, you, you must to, have forgotten my email address. I used to. So for every Sens broadcast, I would make notes, but there would always be one mistake. Now, nobody else ever pinned, pointed it out, except I would wait for the email I would get from CC after every time sending them out going, this is wrong. And I'm like, uh, I just I, spent I think, eight I, hours on these notes. I think you always did it on purpose just to make sure I was reading them. So, uh, yeah, you <laughs> like the attention. I, I missed our time together, Cece, but all the best calling call this game. You are a world-class broadcaster, and we love Absolutely. hearing your call. So uh, I appreciate that, time. guys. It's been a pleasure being on the Mathot podcast. And uh, <laughs> when do I pick up my vehicle from Barhaven? So, oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> we'll have that shipped over to you right away with some white water beer. Very good. Excellent, boys. It's been a pleasure. Love okay, it. good luck, Chris. Thanks. Cheers. All right, welcome back to the show. And time now for On the Points, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. Log on to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot today to get in on the action. Must be 19 years of age or older. Okay, Meth, here we go. Stanley Cup final goes tonight. Let's get the series out of the way now. Who wins? How many games? Whoa, and this is tough. And, and I, you know what? I'm going to go off my bracket at this point because I have Tampa winning out. Um, but because Montreal has made some waves here, I've got the Habs. <laughs> I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm saying this. And oh. I'm saying, but I'm also saying this because I don't want to cheer against them. I uh, I've, I've found myself become a bit of a fan only because they've been the underdog, and I played with yeah. Corey Perry. He helped me win a or excuse me, he helped me win a, a, a Memorial Cup in London. So we have ties there. I've got ties to Montreal in a weird way, and. I just love the fan base and how passionate they are. So I'm going to go with uh, Montreal. I've got them in seven. I wanted to do six, but I'm going to go seven. And uh, really, I, I do think they have a good opportunity here. Kucherov. Kucherov is the X factor. And if that guy ain't playing and he's not rolling, I think Montreal's got a great opportunity. Talk about how opportunistic they've been over this postseason, right? It's almost kind of like St. Louis three years ago, the way they peaked at the right time. Montreal's peaking at the right time. Interesting. And and I should add, you do have other ties with Luke Richardson and with Alex Burroughs behind the bench, yep. uh, which well, is how Burr, I'm looking at Burr, Burr, not so much, but yeah, everybody else. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? If he wins, he can buy you a new watch because he'll have a big bonus. Okay. So is the, uh, I, so there is Alex Burroughs for me and Luke Richardson, who is a huge factor. Uh, yeah. uh, Dominic Ducharme, who I know very well. And people think we look alike for some strange reason. Doppelganger. Yeah. And <laughs> Uh, I know Shea Weber pretty well. There's a couple of players. So I've yeah. never been a, like, this is the first season in 25 years that I've cheered for a, anybody to win or lose. On the other side, um, I went to Victor Hedman's house in Sweden just before he got drafted, met his whole family. Nice. Uh, I, I've known him ever since we've chatted. Uh, John Cooper's been very good. There's lots of tie-ins. So I'm at a loss here. 
but I still think I am going to have to pick the Bolts. Okay, good. So we have we have a legitimate matchup finally. Yeah. You and I. Like I don't even know if Kucherov matters. They played pretty well without him this year. And then and then magically he's ready to go and we'll move so, past that. The, the small sample size, though, that I'm basing my numbers off of is yeah. just that game seven. Now, I know it's game seven and they tend to be lower scoring, but yeah. a one nothing game with a hurt Kucherov that played about 17 minutes or 16 and a half minutes, it was without him rolling. I feel like it affects the rest of that line. So I, I, that's why that's why I went with what I went. But you're right, Wally. I agree with you. You've got guys that can pick up the slack very easily. Again, they've got five guys. I'm just wondering how much they're relying on Kucherov. So that's why maybe it's a wild card. But again, I like that you pick the bolts. We have a bit of a head-to-head now. And don't forget, Andre Vasilevsky trains here in the offseason. So there's another tie into uh Tampa. I I but that Tampa, like you have John Cooper, who just seems to be the coach that everybody wants to play for. Like I've met yeah. him, we've sat around, we've chatted. He's yeah. one guy I would love to have drinks with on a regular basis. He's just he's good, he's easygoing, he's he doesn't give you that same attitude, but he's confident as hell, which is that borderline cocky. He yeah. gets you feeling as a hockey team that you're going to win every game because of that, just the way he conducts himself. Boy, I'd like to see him. I, I mean, it's not like he hasn't won before, but I'd still like to see him be able to guide this team. And he's going to be the head coach of the Olympic team for Team Canada. Yeah. So you have to cheer for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not going to cheer. Okay, fine. I, <laughs> no, I was trying to I'll, get... well, all I'll add to that is that John Cooper's <laughs> also had the opportunity to coach in Tampa where they've had a really good team and a very good yep. core group of players for the last X amount of years. I do believe that, especially with coaching, a lot gets thrown in on that. And a lot of people lump that into like what the effect has on a group. And sometimes I think it gets a little too blown up. I, it comes down to the core group of players you have in the, that room. The coaches come in and you have a system, but players run the team, quite frankly. And they've You've got, got to manage those people. Pardon? You've got to manage those people. I know you do. But you're talking about NHL players. You're talking about a team. Look at Montreal. They lose their head coach. Luke, of course, is very competent. But my point is, the the team still keeps moving on forward. It's I bet you, and I don't just I'm not just saying this lightly. I bet you a team could run itself for a game or two, and you wouldn't really know a huge difference without the coaching staff behind the bench. Very bold comment by me, but I mean it. I'm okay with that. I don't think you're terribly wrong, but my point is of keeping them all happy all Absolutely. year long. Especially, especially throughout the course of a long year. And, and when you're facing adversity with injuries or maybe things aren't rolling well and you need to tweak the system, I would agree with you. All I'm saying is with a team like Tampa right now and how well they're how well rounded they are with the goaltending, the decor up front. I mean, you know, I again, and I'm not taking anything away from Coop. He's a fantastic coach. I've only heard really good things about him. But it's easy to be a really nice, happy-going, easy-going coach, players coach, if you will, when your team is that strong. Okay, but all right, and we'll move on. But I, I, yeah. I'm going to throw this out here because, they, because good, good teams, the coaches always just get, wow, look who he's got on this team. You've got to manage Kucherov, Stamkos, Braden Point. I know. Could, you imagine, Heaven, could you imagine the horror of managing good players and how – You get attitudes – you got guys that get oh, sucked. Oh, Wally, no, you don't. Oh, you do oh, a little bit it. at times. Listen, hey, we're talking about hockey players right now. I feel like they're like some of the lowest maintenance guys to have to coach and handle off the ice. Anyway, we'll agree. I mean, I think you agree with me to a degree. I think you're just trying to have the coaches back a little bit, and I respect that. But come on, man. I like, just think that every year they always look at the coach of the year and pick whoever had the worst team and managed to be able to squeak into the playoffs. I just think the coaches who have – Great high-end talent always gets 
shuffled to the side be going, well, look what you've got to coach. You still have to manage all those attitudes. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't I'm think it's not disagreeing with that. Uh, there is definitely a role for a coach. Absolutely. All I'm saying is I think it gets a little overblown. All right. Not a coach guy. Okay, fine. <laughs> so uh, who's the con smite? And does it just come down to either it's Vasilevsky or Carey Price? Yeah, it's your winner or loser, right? So if you've got Montreal to win, you have to pick uh, Carey Price. There's no, it, to me, it's a lock at this point. And if you're Tampa, you could make an argument. I mean, you could make an argument between Kucherov, quite like look at his numbers. His numbers has to have him at least in the conversation. Hedman maybe a little bit. Maybe, but mostly Vasilevsky and Kucherov. If Braden Point has four goals in this series, he might. Two of he them might. are series winners. Like, I yeah. think he could be a sneaky one to just I pop agree. in there. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That's a good, good. point. And again, though, it comes down to Kucherov, right? I want to know what with Point and some of these guys can produce and how well they'll be. Or excuse me, how well they'll play point production-wise without Kucherov in the lineup. Kucherov's been a big topic today on our show, and yeah. I think it warrants that. I think. That's how good he is. He really is that good of a player. And I think a lot of players feed off him. Well, I'm shocked you like the good players because you don't like the good coaches. So I just figured you would have blown <laughs> up and picked a third-line hey, plug. Players uh, win games. <laughs> okay. So also on sportsinteraction.com, there are prop bets. And there's all kinds of these things. And so I started going through them, and I made some bets. I actually still have a bet up there. This bothers me. Is that Mark Stone is going to win the Conn Smythe. Um, and it just sits there and sh looks at me every day of the bad choice I just made and lost ten dollars. <laughs> so, um, I there, so you can pick on who you think is going to score the first goal of the game tonight, yeah. uh, who, or who's going to score in the game. I'll, so I picked Tyler Johnson is going to open the scoring in this game. My five dollar bet is going to pay me ninety bucks. Would you do that bet? Ooh. I might actually go on and do that. Ah. <laughs> I don't mind. It's funny. And, and I'll let you say all of your props first, but I, I looked through them as well. And there's some really fun ones in there that you can play with. And I think some of them are some pretty good numbers there that are in favor if you're willing right. to put a couple bucks on them here and there. But I'll let you go yeah. through yours first of all. Because I don't want to do like the easy, like, oh, it's going to be Nikita Kucherov. You got to like, if you want to make a little bit of money, you got to. The prop right? bets are always the most fun and you're going to yeah. get instant gratification if you hit any of them in that game. So yeah. I, I agree. I'll go over mine after. Okay, uh, I took Andre Palat to score in the game. Uh, and and my favorite one that they've come like up with, way. and I haven't seen this before, does Cole Caulfield score three goals in this series? I, I, I really like that one. I really like that bet. And I would take it's, it, 100%. It's a great bet. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's tough to I, – yeah, I think – now, he's going to see a lot – does he get a lot more attention, obviously – he well, yeah, to. but I mean, yeah, but the, the same can be said for last series, right? I think, yeah, I think for me, and, and you got to look at the matchup that these guys have and the team they're playing against. Despite what everyone says, how Tampa can play any way you like, let's be honest. If you take Maroon out of that lineup, I don't know that they're as physical clearly as Montreal. I think Caulfield matches up really nicely against Tampa. I think he's going to be able to have a little more space out there, certainly compared to Vegas, at least. And uh, I, I like it. I like that bet. I would take it. Okay. What do you got? Well, I've got uh, most series points, Stamkos or Caulfield. Those two head-to-head, oh. -head, I took Caulfield. Ball, it's, a, it's a bold move. But again, yeah. I just, I just, you know, I'm going to go with the, my winning team. And I do think Caulfield, he's electric right now. He's going into games with a three-piece suit. 
and he's got a fedora on. Confidence is booming. I'm going with Cole Caulfield. I've got for total games, uh, decided in, in OT, which is another kind of funny bet. I've got two games. I do think that when, when the stakes are heightened and raised the way they are right now, you're going to see some tighter hockey. We're going to see some OT. I've got at least two. So I picked two games going to OT. And then um, for uh, most series points between Kucherov and Toffoli, guess who I got, Wally? No, oh, you went to you went to Foley because it's a better bet. <laughs> I got to Foley um, only because <laughs> if Kucher if Kucherov is playing banged up with a bad wing or bad ribs, I'm sorry, but that's going to affect him. We saw him shooting the puck in warmups there in Game Seven. He was laboring hard, and I played with bruised ribs. It effing sucks. It's not fun. It's painful. You can't take medication for that. You can take some painkillers. It helps to a degree. But it will affect him. And I, I'm sorry, but he's not going to heal in three days. It's going to affect him for this series. So I got Toffoli. I think that's a good one. So Toffoli over Kucherov for most points in a series. I, I want to make one more bet. And that oh. is uh, <laughs> if, if Tampa wins, I'm yeah. cooking you a well-done steak. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and now, do I have to eat it or can I lubricate yeah. it with hot sauce? No. No, no, there's no bone sauce sauce on this thing. And I will eat your whatever piece of garbage that you want to cook. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, time out. So what we're going to do after the series is that you, me, yeah. and Craig are going to get together. Okay. And we're going to have a barbecue. <laughs> You're going to have to have, I want, okay, the loser has to take three shots of the artisanal gin, which isn't really a hard thing to do. We all enjoy it. Three yeah. shots. And you have to eat a medium well, I'm oh, sorry, excuse me, a medium rare steak. And, and if I oh. lose, I have to eat a medium well steak or well done, right? No, it's well done. Yeah. Okay. So well done steak, medium yeah. rare steak. Yeah. And what about Craig? When, when Craig comes filet. on here, we're going to get him involved in this because I want this okay. to go three ways. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Can we bring Craig in right now? Yeah, bring Craig him in. There. Craig, come on. There he is. Hey, guys. I was not ready. <laughs> half ready to come on, but all right. Yeah, what's Greg, up? What do you want in on this? Yeah, I like it. I think it's good. I think that, uh, but I mean, I want in on this. What, I get shots of gin and steak? Yeah, I'll play. Yeah. Yeah. I know, it doesn't really sound like a hard bet to take, yeah. does it? But I, I think Craig has to have the well-done steak, though. I, wait, well, who, Craig, which team are you picking to win the cup final? Uh, Tampa in, like, as few games as possible. I'll say Tampa in five. Okay, all right. So you guys are both Tampa. Okay, so I'm head-to-head -head with both of you then. How about that? Sure. Okay. I'll eat okay. whatever. You guys want to make well, me steak? <laughs> it's a hell of a well, what do you what do you d absolutely dislike, Craig? If you really, if you like, I'll eat I want to get I, you. Oh man, I'm not a Is seafood. There, I'm not a seafood guy at okay. all. Okay, so I maybe hate. maybe maybe I'll throw some like I'll scatter shrimp. some shellfish on there. Maybe a yeah, little. Shrimp. That would be the thing that I hate. <laughs> I don't hate it. I just I'm, they're they're right. ocean, they're, 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 they're water bugs. Big giant water it's, bugs. No thank it, you. But anyways, yes, delicious. Sometimes I imagine. Cool. Is there anything that will send you into anaphylactic shock? I should, we should probably know that first. No, 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 I'm all good. I can eat whatever. And that's the thing. Right. I think I was a little bit like Brent when I was younger. I was a bit of a picky eater, uh, uh, but I've overcome. So it's in my uh, formidable days here, I've, I've, I'll eat whatever. Like I'll eat seafood. I eat shrimp. I'll eat crab. I don't love it, but I, if it's put in front of me, I can hoover whatever I need to. Cool. All right. All right. There, we got three shrimps. Okay. So yeah, if you're uh, making your bets, Tampa in five uh, and Montreal is going to, they'll eke out one maybe. That's yeah, that's my sports five. interaction. All right, here we go. Nice. Okay. All right, those are the picks. Now go make your sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and the thought sports interaction, providing competitive odds on all sports. 
Uh, we'll be right back after this. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Welcome back to the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Barhaven Ford has recently introduced its all-star lineup of custom builds. It's the Barhaven Ford Customs. Barhaven Ford has brought Roush-inspired custom F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs to the nation's capital. At Barhaven Ford, they build the truck or Mustang the way you want it, customizing each truck or Mustang to fit your individual needs. Go to barhavenford.com bfc-customs or just go in and see them. 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven. Tell them meth sent you. All right. <laughs> I always love that part. Now, uh, it's time once again for From Russia with Sokolov, one of my favorite. I mean, he's become now a show favorite. He's going to become a cultural icon in this country in no time. Presented by Faces Magazine. Check out the latest articles and more at facesmag.ca. Now, here's our good friend, Igor Sokolov. Hey guys, back with Igor Sokolov here, and uh, I just, you know, just thought it's gonna be a pretty cool idea to show you guys what I got in my house, in my in my room. Yeah, so that's my room basically, and uh, I got a little corner here with all the awards I got since I was a kid. You know, my mom came up with a pretty cool idea to build that and, you know, keep the, all the memories and all the medals and uh, all the little cups I got for best players, and, uh, you know, so I think it's pretty cool idea by my mom to have that in the house and uh, here I got a couple important ones like you know that medal is uh, from world under 17 hockey challenge back in uh, 2016 it's bronze medal I think it's pretty cool one and uh, obviously most one of the most important ones is uh, bronze from youth Olympic Games in uh, Norway I believe yeah we got uh, bronze then and I think it's pretty cool one to have and uh, you know just just thought it's gonna be a pretty cool idea to show you guys what I got and uh, this this thing is from Pavel Datsuk yeah I got his autograph on it and uh, he's from the same hometown as me and uh, when he was coming back when we were younger he would, he would give all the guys autographs and I think it's a pretty important one yeah here's uh here's me and my brother little Sharkalov here and you know you could see I was pretty big boy back then and uh, Obviously, I got my brother with me here. Just want to show you him because he looks—he hey looks just like me. Yeah. So yeah, that's you know pretty much it, guys. And uh, I hope everybody's staying safe and uh, healthy. But now I'm you know busy with my training, spending time with my family, skating, and uh, July 5th I'm heading back to Canada and uh, you know trying to prepare there and uh, try to get better, obviously. And uh, I'm looking forward to see you guys. Uh, great stuff from Sokolov. I should just call him the Sharkalov. Uh, great guy. Would love to have beers with him someday. Maybe we'll bring him over for some artisanal gin by Paperboat. You think he drinks gin? Oh, vodka. Like, I was going to say Russian like guy. Sharkalov's a vodka guy. Probably vodka guy. Yeah. We'll have to ask all, him. Are, all the Russians are vodka guys usually. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. You know what? I've seen, I sense that he's a trendsetter. So I think he might go outside the box. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna introduce it to him for sure. I'm just yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I love that he gave a room tour. That was the best. Yeah, 
Man, that guy's funny. Awesome. Uh, we got some trivia things to give away. We've we've been buzzing through these lately, and we, we talked a little bit about uh, the hot sauce kind of earlier in the show. So we got a little bit of a bone saw sauce, hot sauce to give away. Bring in the heat to hot sauce. I'm getting pretty good at the Brit reads here. Okay. Uh, that's the one thing. I, I, was, I was never the best read guy, but I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. Um, so if we circle back to our Zach Smith interview, uh, we asked – how many shorthanded goals did Zach Smith score in his career? Uh, 15. Jeez. That was a, that was a big number. I, did, I mean, I knew yeah. he got a bunch, but uh, you know who else knew that? At Kadri Sends. Keep an eye on your DMs because we're going to slide in there and figure out how to get you some of this bone sauce, sauce, go hot sauce coming your way. Uh, so shout out to everybody who got that one, right? And shout out to our friends at Bone Sauce, sauce Co. for hooking us up with a sweet little prize to give away. I feel like the Kadri Sends is just a trolling name that he – <laughs> that he uses no, every that time one. of Kadri coming to the end. I've seen that one forever. That's somebody who like went in early on a on a username yeah, and like it could pay big Twitter. dividends. Yeah. yeah, he's a Twitter OG, a Sens Twitter OG guy. I think anyway. yeah, you, you got to keep those around because I mean, if it comes full full circle, right? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, shout out to that one. Um, you know what? We got one more thing to give away. Uh, those Gong Show uh, Pockluck games that we've been giving away, like those are killer. So we're, we're going to give away another one of those today, uh, based off of our Chris Cuthbert interview, which by the way, guys was unreal. I love that one. Very cool to hear kind of the, uh, Great. broadcast side of things again. We hadn't done that in a little bit, so yeah. it was kind of neat and pretty, pretty cool for him to, uh, make his Stanley cup debut tonight. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, reward people with a little gong show Pockluck game set. Uh, take this thing to the cottage, uh, take it in your backyard, put it on the driveway, invite some buddies over, see who can dominate. Uh, full set comes with two shooting pads, eight rubber pucks and two targets. Uh, so yeah, find some time to bring some buddies over and sauce some things in there. I don't know. They explain the rules here too. You can kind of see this <laughs> running through, uh, that little tip down for three. That's the one I, I, man, I don't know if I could do that. So Matthew might be on my team. Yeah. And they make, they make some really good products. Like these are legit. We endorse a lot of stuff that we believe in. This is a good one. So I encourage people to at least check it out. They're really neat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, perfect. So yeah, if, uh, if you like this thing, I'm sure you can buy them too, uh, over at gongshow.com. Uh, but you can win one too. So here's, here's today's question, uh, based off our Chris Cuthbert interview. Uh, and that is how many air miles does Chris Cuthbert have? So if you know the answer to that, slide on over to Twitter, uh, use the hashtag Wally and Mathot and be sure to tag at gongshow gear on Twitter and let us know. Uh, uh, we will reveal the winner coming up on our next show. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a true legend. I, I really, one of those few people that you get nervous to interview, that would be, yes. uh, Chris Cuthbert, yeah. For sure. yeah, I yeah. told him that after the interview, I'm like, I was like, and I can't stress this enough. Like he's, it's a fantastic interview and he's so knowledgeable and he's got that yeah. great voice. He's on the fly. Amazing. When you, you hear him call games. So we're really lucky to grab him in time here before this final round. Yeah. I look forward to hearing his call and to seeing how he will make that final call whenever it is for the Stanley Cup final. Um, uh, you know, if you want to order T-shirts and my, uh, mugs, you can go to our newly launched website, wallymathot.com. If you like the content, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We really much appreciate it. And uh, as always, guys, thanks for being here. And to all the people watching, I uh, hope you enjoyed the Wally Mathot Show powered by Barhaven Ford. Time now for us to drive on out of here. See you next yeah, time. Yeah, and enjoy your uh, medium rare steak, Wally. It's coming for you in about a week and a half. <laughs>
Right. Good to see you, Mark. Good to see you Even too, Chris. Even if you were a London Knight, I still I'm still having trouble with that, but. It's all good. Well, you're wearing you're wearing the colors. You got the green on. No, so it's, no nice. it's uh it's mint. You guys wear mint. <laughs> Is it French mint? <laughs> it's not night mint. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 